Welcome to another episode of What Does It Take Pod. We had a little brief intermission with all the stuff that was popping off in Phoenix, Arizona. And our guest was uh, part of some of the stuff that was popping up. Um, Want to welcome Viz. Thank y'all for having me. Absolutely, Thank man. Thank you for pulling up, man. He, he showed up right before they're about to go back to Cali. You know, we got my boy Rank and Larry in the back, too. Shout yes, out sir. to them, man. Sure. But I, I appreciate, it, man. I always yeah, thought I when I, I always thought when I, when we were going to link up that it was going to be in LA. I didn't think that you would be coming out to AZ because nah. you know, LA more of a hot spot. <laughs> for sure, like for me, I feel like, um, and I just gotta attest this to just you as a person. I, like I gotta give flowers where it's due. I feel like a lot of people give flowers after people pass away and then fake posts like "Rest in peace, that was my guy." Like you never <laughs> spoke on that when he was living, <laughs> yeah, but true. you got all this energy now. So for me, with you, bro, I just say like. You supported me for years with no even reason to have to do it. You did it out of the kindness of your uh, heart and just really that, seeing man. whatever you saw in me. And even like the other day, you was talking about my project that I dropped um, in 2020 before I even became a songwriter. So like in knowing the songs and stuff, and I was just sitting there tripping like you really paid attention. And like for a person like me, like people can try and water it down. Like yeah. when you accomplish a certain amount of things, people try to water it down like, oh, Everyone knows who I am, or they should know what I do, but like I'm always appreciative of it, because I remember times when I was just trying to get one person to listen to my music, let alone other states, you know what I'm saying, people in other states that I have never even met in yeah. person until <laughs> I got here, you know, supporting it. So I want to say, tell you, like, really I thank you, and I appreciate course, what man. you do for the culture. And for me, it's just me recognizing talent, because what Viz is referring to, so Viz pulled up on a Thursday to AZ, um, you know, me and Q stopped by the Airbnb. Yes, sir. And... Uh, Basically, I was telling Viz, we've been following each other for three years on social media. Facts. We had never met in person yet, but... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was waiting hey, on to do it. I was waiting on to do it. I was telling him to do that shit earlier. Damn! Um, yeah, that hella caught me off guard. But no, we were, we've were we been following each other for like three years, man. And uh, I remember uh, back when like the Triller videos were yeah. uh, popping off and they were trending. And uh, I hit up Viz and I was like... Bro, what song is that uh, used in the, in the video? I was like, I'm trying to download that shit. He's like, well, my, my album ain't out yet. At the time, he was releasing Unapologetically Me. Yeah. And he's all like, but it's going to be Fallen Tears on that album. Finally, when he released it, he sent me a DM. He's all like, hey, album's out. I gave it a listen. The three tracks back-to-back, Fallen Tears, TTG, and Zero to Sixty. I was like, bro, those were the three favorite songs <laughs> on that album. You know what? Speaking of Unapologetically Me, yeah, I went through Demon Time. That's tough. That song's <laughs> I, I like I like that song. You know what inspired that whole album? Huh. To be honest with you, I told him when I met him in person, Tusi. When I met Tusi in person, I said, during that time period, I felt like he spoke about a lot of things that related to me. So when I sat with him and, and chopped it up with him, I have so many positive things to say about him just as a person in general and outside of his music. But when I told him, I was like, "Yo, you inspired a whole project off of me." Like, or I, I inspired a whole project off of you, rather, excuse me. So, mm -hmm. like, from that, that's really what that project was inspired of by. Like, the whole sonics of it yeah. was definitely inspired by him, that's for dope. sure. Mm -hmm. For sure. So, let's bring it back. Uh, before getting into music, because I feel like you haven't even, what's crazy about your talent is you haven't even been in the music game for that long. Because mm -mm. you were mm -hmm. an athlete. Growing up, I know you got a little little bit of Southern in you, but you mm -hmm. were uh, from California. Mm -hmm. uh, but you were an athlete, and you played football back at, uh, it was Saddleback College, right? Yeah, that's yeah. right. I went JUCO because I graduated high school, 
my story, my like, if we going, are we going all the way in for real, for real? Yeah, we all go the all the way, way in. All right, all the way in. So Give us stuff no that filter. no one has heard. No one's ever heard. Lay no, down. I'll tell y'all the whole story. Like, Absolutely. No one's ever heard this story. All right, cool. So get comfortable for this one. Cool. <laughs> so, bomb. I started playing sports when I was four years old. I played football, basketball, track, and baseball. Um, I When I started tackle football at age seven, and um, I was on national TV by the, before I turned 10 years old. I was on ESPN. They had like a segment on Pop Warner football on national TV. It's called the Tiny Football League. It was like a new segment that they started doing. Yeah, trying to like that highlight. You were one of the smallest and fastest kids mm-hmm. in, the state of in the state of California. Yeah, I broke Dang. the record for the state of California in track and field for the 100 meter dash at age 10. <laughs> I still hold a record to this day. I was 10 years old. It was something like, bro, I think it was like 12, 15 or something like that. If I remember correctly, it might have been a little bit, but it was like I was that guy for real. So like, Anyway, I don't don't hold me to that number, but it was something around that range. But anyway, so I grew up doing multiple sports. So like being on national TV at such a young age, the spotlight started cranking early. I'm going to school now and I'm signing autographs. Like I'm going to school and the kids' dads is like, yo, like, yo, kid in your class in your third period, like he's going to the league. So as I got older, I was always small. I got I went into high school, um, five foot, eighty five pounds for real. So when I went to high 85 school, eighty-five pounds. Mm-hmm. Damn. Damn, I was eighty-five pounds my freshman year of high school. Crazy thing is, this is the first time I'm ever saying it, but I'm gonna go all the way in since y'all want the whole story. Um, how I even got to my high school? Shit, this might mess around and start a whole investigation. But I was elite. I got into my high school illegally. So basically, I was at. I went to a high school that wasn't in my district. Uh, okay. And so basically, there yeah, was a top school. You usually have to get a boundary exemption. Exactly. Do they do that in California? Yeah, they have, a, they have a boundary exemption, but the high school that I went to, Mish Vale High School, you can look it up. Um, it was outside of my district, but they were the top school in the country, one of the top uh, mm. schools for football in the country. So I was in a different district. I went to Capitol High. I was in Capitol District. And I was supposed to go to Tesoro, which is the rival uh, school. But what Mission Viejo did at the time was they started a program called um, the Ag Program. The Ag Program was basically, they ain't going to tell it, but it was for this, and they told me this. It was a program that they basically started where they had a farm on the, on the campus of the school. And so what they would do is if, when I was in eighth grade, I remember it was like it was yesterday, bro. When I was in eighth grade, they had a football camp. And whatever players they liked from that camp, it didn't matter whether you lived in the district or you lived out of state, if they liked you, you would tell the district you wanted to go to this school because they're the only school that had an f- mm. agricultural program. Uh. <laughs> so they came and sat me down. I did really good at that camp. They came to me. They were like, you're cold. Varsity coach at the time came to me. He was like, yo, we like how you play. This, that, and the third. You're this dope. Five foot, 85 pounds? Mm-hmm. God damn. <laughs> I was only in the eighth grade. Jeez. I was only in eighth grade at the time. And I went in, and they were like, yo, we want you to come play here. I was like, I'm not in this district. So they're like, oh, don't even worry about that. We have a system that basically you're going to go in. We're going to sit you down. They're going to send they're gonna send in a, a, I don't know what they call it, but an administrative person from the district mm-hmm. to sit in on your meeting. This is the script. You're going to read it like this. You and the teachers of the class are going to know what the script is, but the district administrator is not going to know. And you're going to say, this is why I want to go to this school. And then we're going to let you in. Uh, that's how it goes and they do that with every athlete of each sport so every every track the football the basketball whatever it is that's how you get into process. school so honestly big, they were recruiting before recruiting you feel me yeah <laughs> like, kudos to that though because you get in 
where there's an opportunity, people, you make your way. You know what I'm saying? There's always loopholes for everything. Mm-hmm. So why not for kids that's talented trying yeah. to get into a program? And mm-hmm. I like that, though. And push them to the I, next level. Yeah, hell yeah. Why not? So, Excuse me, I'm not mad about it. I'm just mad about how they try to play it because I didn't know that they was doing that at that time period because their grandson, who was our quarterback, and he was coming in as a freshman. So our varsity head coach's grandson, his name is Brock Johnson. I'll say it straight up. His name is Brock Johnson. His grandfather was a varsity head coach. His dad was the um, our offensive coordinator, and his uncle – was our receivers coach. That's a family affair. Yeah. <laughs> so they was basically building the whole team. They were building superstars around him to cover his lack thereof. Because mm. no disrespect, we cool. Me and him are cool to this day, but he know he wasn't like that. Because my dog, who ended up being his backup quarterback, <laughs> my dog, who ended up being his backup. Y'all said y'all wanted it raw. I'm going to yeah, tell it how it is. Man. I ain't going to sugarcoat shit. Like, I'm going to tell it how it is. My dog, who ended up being his backup quarterback, didn't get the shine that he deserved. They used to put, they used to let him be quarterback. It'd be third down and 15, and then they put my homeboy in, and he would get us the first down, and they would put him back in. That's the type of shit they used to do. Damn. Just so that he would shine. So it was just like, I watched the BS, you feel me, early. So boom, at that point, I was like, oh, no, this is a whole scheme. I'm leaving. Boy, as soon as I – I didn't tell nobody because it was a big thing in my city. If you was leaving the school that was, like, Mission High School at that time yeah. period, bro, we was, I think we was, like, third in the country, Damn. our varsity team at that time. So it was, like, to leave that school was just, like, nah. Like, I you don't do that. that. <laughs> Especially to go to the rival school, nah. Yeah. It's over for you. Damn. So, basically, I remember the day that I announced that I was going to transfer, but I didn't tell the whole public. I just told a couple teachers that I knew. I don't know how, but one thing led to another – and when it was said, it was so. And by the time I ended up going to the locker to go grab my uh, equipment, I saw shit leaking out of my locker. And I was like, what the hell is that coming out of my locker? And these niggas pissed and shit on my shit that I had in there. Oh, hell And then they grabbed nah. my name that I had on my locker and they slapped that shit on the exit sign. And then when I went out, my homeboys ran over to me and was like, bro, they know. The coaches found out. And the... Uh, and it's fuck you for life, by the way, to this dude. But Brett Johnson, which is the dude's dad that I was talking about, who's mm-hmm. our quarterback, this is his dad. The offensive coordinator? Yeah. It's fuck him for life for this. But he called um, he called his son, and he told him to tell me personally, cool, he's leaving. Tell him to take whoever the fuck he wants with him. Mm. It's verbatim what he said. That's the last words I ever heard from him. But we were supposed to be cool like that, and I thought it was deeper than just football, but it wasn't. It was as long as I abided by how y'all wanted me to act, we was cool and homies. But if I didn't act how y'all wanted me to act, I was X'd out and canceled. And that that took a toll on me. That's why I said respectfully. I don't say it like an asshole. I moved on from it. But respectfully, like, fuck you forever because you don't know what that mentally put me through as a child. I'm still a kid, bro. I was like 14 years old, 15 years old. You feel me? So it's like that put me through a mental place that was like, damn. Y'all really trying to blackball me for being talented and just not wanting to be here. Yeah. It wasn't like, hey, bro, we wish you were leaving. They know the Yeah, it was like, y'all, shit, if I'm being real with y'all, it was y'all taking me out to a lot of illegal shit, but you feel me? Y'all taking me out to dinners and we hanging out at each other's houses and I'm getting all the luxuries of the lifestyle while I'm at the school, but as soon as I want to do something that was best for me, it was fuck you. It's just like, that wasn't really real. It was only as long as I was playing at y'all's school that I was getting the perks of it, so... 
It's the first time I've ever actually ever ever spoken on this for real, to be honest. But kudos to you at. But that stuck with me, bro. Yeah, at that age, fourteen, man, that's you're so impressionable at that age, you know. And and nothing changes. I don't think. I mean, you guys can speak on it when when you don't act a way that certain people that have influence on your lifestyle or your money or what you're supposed to be doing. When they look at you, and you're like, man, he's not doing what we need him to do. Mm-hmm. They try and get you from more or less canceled. Yeah. Like even if you look at athletes today, um, you know what happened to Kyrie in Brooklyn? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, you're not doing what we need you to. You're not going to say this. Well, here's eleven things you need to do. No. Well, why would that player stay there? Right. They tried that shit with Deshaun. Deshaun Watson, my brother. Like that's my dog. Like me and Deshaun was working out um, before you went to the draft. Because he was when he was getting ready to commit. Actually, he might have been committed to Clemson at the time. No, he was at Clemson. He was at Clemson already. But I think he was like a sophomore, a freshman or sophomore. We had worked out together in the offseason. So okay. I was still playing football at that time. So like I know a lot of guys in the league. Like the other day, I think I told you. Yeah, you were telling me. I know like 20, 29 guys in the league right now out of 32 teams. Like I had two of my homeboys in the Super Bowl, one on each team. So oh, damn. Like, you feel so me? who were you rooting so, for? I was, I was rooting for the Eagles. Me personally, I was rooting for the Eagles. I was rooting for the Eagles personally. But my lawyer, my lawyer though, um, is Patrick Mahomes' lawyer. Shout out to Chris Cabot. That's my guy. Okay. So my lawyer, me and uh, Patrick Mahomes had the same lawyer. So it's That's like, kind of crazy. <laughs> Man, I took yeah, a fucking hell off the Eagles. But I used to work out. I used to work out with Patrick. Damn. I, was, I used to work out with him when he was uh, at Texas Tech. And okay. I still tell people to this day, he broke like two pairs of my gloves. He throws probably the hardest out of everybody. And then Jeez. I was like, how does he throw so damn hard? And they're like, he used to play baseball. I was like, oh. Makes sense. <laughs> I was like, oh, he was a baseball player. Because literally, bro, ripped the seams off my gloves. I used to be like, bro, you going to have to start buying my gloves. gloves. <laughs> I used to go up and I'm like, bro, it don't make shit. no sense why I'm running this slant route and this ball is hitting my hands at 200 miles per hour. This ain't making no sense. <laughs> Just but start he's so ripping. cold. But he's a, good, he's a great person. But yeah, like, you feel me? Um... Not to get off track, but yeah, like they tried that shit though with my dog Deshaun. Shout out to him. That's my brother for life. Like I love Deshaun Watson. That's my brother. I'll always stand on him. Like that's really my dog. He always believed in me. He always had my back. Anytime I needed advice, anything about navigating through football and my experiences and the bullshit I was going through, he was always a person that would never just let my calls ring through. I could call him probably right now. He'll answer. You feel me? He's just one of those type of people. So soon as he announced, uh, I think it's time for me to get out of Houston, Texas. All of a sudden, and no disrespect to whoever thing, mm-hmm. I don't want to speak on that, but on his, you know, his mm-hmm. situation. situation but yeah. Why all these all of a sudden mm-hmm. popping up? That's what I'm it's just convenient. calling it like that. Real convenient. Sound real convenient all of a sudden. Yeah. And all these all of a sudden is popping up as soon as he's leaving because it's not convenient for the state. And I'm calling the bluff, but that's just me. That's never changed for athletes, man. Yeah. That's never. never changed. Kaepernick taking a knee and how controversial that was and people getting up in arms like, oh, the NFL pick. Now look, you know, or Mahmoud Abdul Rauf. Yeah. Um, check out his "In the Blink of an Eye," uh, his book, and he has a documentary he on Showtime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, uh, and and that boy could ball. He could hoop. He was hooping on guys in the nineties. Um, you know, to crucify you. Yeah, literally blackballed right out of the league because you're not acting or saying the things that we need you to say. Um, so being authentic, staying humble, uh, and just doing you. you Man, but there's a lot like I respect that stuff so much, man. Great. I tell you, uh, you were gonna say something. No, nah, I was just gonna say I, I think you spoke on a lot of people experiences as far as like being an athlete. Like I played mm-hmm. college ball in Michigan, mm-hmm. and like that shit just was like not working out with like me and my coach and stuff. Like yeah, me yeah. and him bump heads. 
I've seen players get playing time over me because of X, Y, and Z or because, like, they know that person or that particular parent might be funding more bread right. to that program. Mm -hmm. 100%. And, like, a lot That's of coaches real. don't even realize, bro, like, you can really, like, fuck up someone's mental because, like, at least, like, for me, I can't speak on, like, your personal behalf, mm -hmm. but for me, like, basketball is my way to get out of Memphis. Right. Like, that's how I was able to travel and play in other countries and go to places I've never seen before. It wasn't because I could afford it. It was because I could fucking do what I do. Exactly. And, like, you get to a school and the coach try to, like, take that talent away from you because he sees something totally different, man. That just fucks up. That fucks up your mental. And then it, it messes up, like, your whole journey. 100%. Like, that, like, you may see it. You will see it one way, like, yo, this is – Plan A, that's the only plan I'm going with. And then when you get to this school, like it might not be what they what it's supposed to be because the coach going it's, it's like talking to a chick, bro. You telling her what she want to hear, he gonna tell you what you want to hear. Exactly. And then when you get there, it's like that shit switch, bro. Right. Like I've seen it happen so many times. Mm -hmm. It happened to me. Mm -hmm. Like, and mm -hmm. I'm not gonna you know stay on my story, but um, I mean, I I have no shade towards like the college I went to. It's, it's all love when I go there, but like a lot of people don't know like. Before I signed my first contract to play in Spain, mm -hmm. and um, I was sitting in the office with my coach, and, like, we were getting ready for a national tournament. Mm -hmm. And I really wasn't getting PT like that. It's my senior year, bro. Crazy. And, like, I uh, I was like, man, look, you know, we got the national tournament coming up, man. Like, what can I do to, like, squeeze in the rotation? He was like, man, man, dudes told me straight up, was like, you're not going to get any PT. The best thing you could do is just help the starters get uh, prepared going into the tournament. Crazy. Yeah, yeah no, no, nah, nah, dead ass, bro. Crazy. This is real shit. I'm real Crazy. shit. And he was like, uh, I was like, you know, I'm constantly going to him, trying to get tips on how I can, how can I get better. The whole time I knew I was good, but he was fucking on my mental. It was almost to the point I was forgetting how to play basketball. Right. I was questioning you're everything. everything. I'm overanalyzing a, a wide open jump shot, a wide open layup. Like I'm not playing my normal game. I'll never forget this shit, bro. I, I swear, I swear to God. Ooh, forgive me, God. Right hand on the Bible, I was we were talking and I was like, you know, I, I really want to play pro. Like that was my goal outside of college. Dude told me straight up to my face, he said, You're not gonna play pro basketball. Like, and that just stuck. Up, bro, and it stuck and it happened. I played semi-pro that summer and then I signed my first contract to go to Spain. And what's crazy about it, the guys on the team that were they were first team all American or MVP yeah. didn't get a contract. I was the only one to get a contract. And I averaged like two point five points a game. Yeah. <clears throat> That's, you know what I'm saying? Like, imagine if he gave you that yeah, PT. You know what I'm saying, bro? Like, everyone cut from different cloths. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like there's certain people, like, for all of us to be here in this moment, excuse me, for all of us to be here in this moment, there was a calculated time period where there was, for lack of a better term, like a fight or, a fight or flight moment. You had a choice whether I'm a stick. Stay ten toes down and thug this out, and whatever bullshit come my way, I'm gonna figure it out. But there's also the other side of that of the people that fold. I saw a quote. It was like, um, uh, ninety-seven percent of the world uh gives up on their dreams to work for the three percent that didn't. Mm -hmm. And I believe that. I believe in that without a reasonable doubt. Most people quit on their dream to fund and work for somebody else's, Facts. which is crazy. Facts. And that's where you get the Elon Musk at and, yeah. the, and the Jeff Bezos is at is they stay down for the dream and they're the three percent. Meanwhile, ninety-seven percent is it's too hard. I couldn't overcome. So to see people like us, you feel me, of all creed and color in one room together is a beautiful thing because at the end of the day, we made calculated decisions to be here. We made cal we made calculated decisions despite our circumstances or what we may still be dealing with. We still choose to look at the world in a in a good in a with a positive light. 
and still be a, a place for people to be able to, you feel me? Yeah. To outlet out Absolutely. and grow from at the end of the day. So people like us are really the 1%. No disrespect to the females, but I hear a lot of bitches out here talking about I'm 1% this. What make you 1% though? Because you've been told you're beautiful from just looking pretty every day. Do you know this light though? The world told me since I was born as men. You need to be this, this, making this much money a year and doing this, this, and that. That's what makes me a 1% man because once I accomplish that, <clears throat> the world being a man is going to tell me how ugly I am. <clears throat> if I'm ugly, fat, and broke, I don't get no hoes. Yeah, facts. But if you're fat, ugly, and broke as a female, just keep being you. The right man's going to treat yeah. you the way you deserve, queen. Yeah. Like, bro, y'all live in fantasy world. You, we know reality. You know, I got to speak on that yeah. real quick. I know you got some shit. I got some. got to pitch in. No, but that's... Facts. And I think it's hard for certain people to even fathom whether that's men or women. But obviously, as men, we live it because as a woman, when you're born, you have some type of innate value through mm -hmm. beauty. Right. You could be 18 and attract a man who's making a lot of money at 18. We're not attracting, generally speaking. And like you said, society says if you're not out here. Um, bringing in this type of money, have mm -hmm. these type of resources, be able to pay all the bills, uh, still spend time with you and date you every night and plan all this stuff and work. It's like, when do you have time for all that stuff? Exactly. The world beats you down. And the other thing is men ain't allowed to have preferences. When you say, oh, I need this and a woman, how could you body shame? How could you exactly. do this? And you're like, hold on a second. It's just what I exactly. prefer. Exactly. I'm not saying everybody needs Damn, to be like yo, this. But a woman <laughs> can be like, you know what? Uh, he needs to be over six foot. He needs to be an eight out of 10. He needs to be making a Hundred grand. Exactly. I know. need this. I, I need this amount of time. Fucking build a bear workshop. Like, and can <laughs> and can freely and can freely speak it out loud. Facts. Yes. Without but getting shunned. Soon, without getting shunned. Yeah. Cancel none of that. But as soon as Andrew Tate trying to say how it is, that's why I, I support Andrew Tate. People can say what they want to say. I support Andrew Tate's opinion because he really trying to tell y'all how this shit goes. He's speaking real shit. But yeah. they trying to cancel. They trying to, as and soon as you know clip, too much. They clip his clips clip in a way with. where like you don't get the full story. So automatically they try and cancel him without seeing the whole thing. When you know too much, they get rid of you, bro. Yeah, exactly. Look at Martin Luther King. Look at JFK. Any, even, not even to make this a race thing, but just even any white people of the opposite race that supported black beliefs and things that are knowing what's going on. They assassinate you, bro. If you're a threat to society. If you're a threat to society in the in the system that they got in place, bro, they're gonna cancel you. Shit, they're gonna try and cancel me. I don't give a fuck, bro. Cause when you are the culture, you can't cancel it. So it mm. don't really matter. Malcolm X. Exactly. And he said too, something that's relevant now is like if you believe the newspaper or like the news, they'll have you believing that the people being oppressed are the oppressors. Exactly. So news and social media mm. and all that carries so much weight. And something that you had mentioned or, or posted, it's like Speaking of social media and the things that, you know, certain musicians or artists put out there mm -hmm. that everyone sees and just believes. They're like, oh, that person is this. That person is that. There's not enough credit to the people who write really the songs. write the songs mm -hmm. and like, produce the I records. put that person. Yeah. Yeah. Bro, I've been in Talk sessions. Shit, Let's get into that. We can really. Oh, you want the damn? You got the damn. That's a damn moment. Hit it. That's a damn moment for sure. Bro, like, I'll tell you for real. <laughs> I'll tell you for real, bro. Took him three business days to press <laughs> I'll tell you for real. Yeah, fucking FedEx works Respectfully, right, bro. Respectfully. There's a lot of talent in this world. There's so many dope artists, so many dope creators, bro. There's nothing against nobody. But one thing I'm not going to do is sugarcoat. Like, 
uh, Tupac said in an interview, he said, um, the hardest thing for a black man, especially to do, is to create or build a legacy for your family. Most people are born into one, and that's where you get the the Diddy son who's popular, even if his music is hard or not hard. Regardless, you're still born into a legacy to where all your responsibility is to have to carry it. Yep, you're the set life. Yeah. You're set regardless. The hardest thing, though, to do is to have to build one for your family. Mm. I feel like that's why I have Tupac tattooed on my hand. I'm doing God's work. I have it tattered on my hand. Tough. That's I live. I'm doing God's work. All of this that I'm talking about, I'm doing God's work. It may not make sense now. Oh, y'all can try and cancel me, or whatever. But when I die, I'm a I'm a stand for something. I didn't blend to what everybody else wanted to wanted me to transform myself into fit into the societal norm. I'm I'm building a legacy for my family, which is the hardest thing to do, and I'm the first one to do it. I graduated college. I have three college degrees. I'm the second family member, male, on my. Was it my mom's side to graduate college? Dang. As a male, I'm the first ever in my entire family tree to sign a music deal. Ever. I'm the first ever. You feel what I'm saying? Mm. So when society threw me every obstacle through sports and things like that, to where I saw that it wasn't going to pan out because of the politics and things like that, all the way through JUCO, which is the only reason why I had to go to, to, go to JUCO. While I watched my peers that I know for a fact did not deserve, and there's no shade or nothing, but I watched their parents and this, the booster club shit and all of that, fund their way into getting to these D1 universities that I knew they weren't even ready for at the time. Was that AC? Is it raining? It's no raining. No way. What the hell? That's crazy. Yo, AZ brought the rain to wash away all the Super Bowl shit. Yeah, for real. <laughs> get it out of here. But watching them get, watching them get the benefits that I know – not all of them, but a majority of them did not deserve. Meanwhile, I'm sitting here enrolling in classes at JUCO. Mm. That put a sour taste in your mouth. It doesn't sit right. And it's not anger. It's just like a, I'm having to do 10 times more than all of y'all put together to get crumbs of what y'all get. Think about that. I'm putting in the most work out of all of y'all combined together. And you getting D1 offers and NFL contracts. And I'm doing 10 times and have 10 times the talent, but I'm working for crumbs of what y'all niggas is getting. So how you think I'm going to act when I finally, it's like Tupac said, I love, like Tupac be talking that shit. There was one thing, he, interview he did, he said, imagine your whole life, you deserve everything that is in a house that somebody else gets to live in. Mm. So you go into the door, niggas is in your house that you pay rent for, all your belongings is, is in, and they expecting you to go to the door and say, Hi, I'm hungry. Can I please have mm. something to eat? Oh, uh, we'll let you know. Go get some more resources and then come back. Mm. Okay, I'll come back again. Hi, I'm hungry. Can I please have something to eat? You watching the nigga in the kitchen, drink your food, eat your shit in your fridge, sleep in your bed, at your house. All your accomplishments are in that house. Everything you deserve is in that house. But you still having to knock at that door and prove. Eventually that, hey, can I please have something to eat, is going to turn into, nigga, I'm coming through the door, blasting, I need my shit yeah. right now. Yeah. And you can't be mad at a person for that. Because that's a lot of years where you're trying to conform yourself to fit, to be cool and keep it cool. But y'all trying to play me, though. Like, I didn't work for this shit. You get what I'm saying? Mm. And that's what I, that was my experience. So, facts, that was my I, experience. I, 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 I had to do more than the average I checked person. the time stamps. This boy's in the studio all night working. All night. Still up early in the morning mm-hmm. taking care of business. It's just, it's just wild. So, diving into that, you stop... Uh, you were at Saddleback College playing mm-hmm. football. Yeah. 
and you had to basically get your own highlight tape and market yourself to even get to that point. Yeah. And then you decided to switch over to music. Talk about that and then getting into being a songwriter, who you wrote songs for, mm -hmm. and then how you get treated after making hits that blow up. I'm so, going to let you get into that. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> all right. So, it's my sophomore, no, my freshman year of college, excuse me. I'm at Juco. <sighs> One day, I was so frustrated. I was just so angry. Like, I was just so, like, bruh, why is, why am I being such a good-hearted person and I'm having to hurt like this? Like, I'm having to go through obstacles people couldn't even fathom going through. It's ridiculous. So, I started writing poetry. Poetry slowly turned into an art form where it was just like, I felt like I was able to express myself. One day I was in this class called CTVR3. It was like a half bullshit class that I took to always, you know, stay on point for eligibility for football. Mm -hmm. But I was always a good student. I had 3.8 GPA and I was a scholar baller at my, you know, at my school. I was in honor society. Um, but I remember at the class one day, I was with the homie Miles and this homie named D-Train that I played in high school with. He didn't play football anymore though. Um, we sat in the car and we're chilling, niggas is hanging out, whatever. And they're like, they put on, they're just playing music and the beats. And they knew that all, most of the time in class, I was paying attention, but I'll be writing. And they're like, bro, you're always writing like freestyles. So I like spit a freestyle on the spot just for fun. And he recorded it. He was like, I'm gonna post this, dude. I was like, bro, I was shy. You feel me? So I was like, nah, 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 nah. Like, I didn't, you feel me? He's like, mm -hmm. bro, you should really do music. I was like, bro, that looks lame. I'm gonna be the former failed football player that turned into a rapper, how cliche, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> on top of being a black man at that, like, let's go for the narrative, you feel me? So at that moment, he was just like, nah, bro, you should really do it. So I was like, I asked both of them, I said, what are your guys' goals? He was just like, bro, I really wanna, my homie Miles, he was like, I wanna, I'm gonna be a, uh, I wanna work on cars. That's what he said, he said, I wanna work on cars for the rest of my life. I was like, okay. And I asked my homie D-Train, and I was like, what do you wanna do? He was just like, I wanna be a chef. Mm. He said, I wanna be a celebrity chef. I said, all right. I'll tell you what, I'll make music. I'll try it. I said, but y'all got to promise. We're going to make a promise right here in this car. You're going to follow through on your dream of becoming, working on cars for your life, and you're going to do whatever you got to do to be a chef. And they're like, you serious? I was like, I'm dead serious. I'll, I'll set up a studio session. I already had people at that time, you feel me, like a, homies around that I was just football practicing. Like, bro, I know a friend that has a mic. You know what I'm saying? Because mm -hmm. they knew I was always just writing. It was like, bro, you need to get on the mic. So I was like, y'all make me that promise. I'll do it. Was that what six years ago? Yes, six years ago. That's honestly real because not only you're doing it for yourself, you want to see them achieve their goals. They did it. He's a he's he works on cars for a living. Oh, for, okay. And the other homie is now a celebrity chef. That's crazy. Because because I, I I did uh, hear that from you. Yeah, uh, I spoke on my story. Yeah, yeah, and I and I did a little bit of research and saw that, and I was like, you know what, I gotta ask about that because really I know that you came through. But you to said, hear, I know you can't. <laughs> so, I don't know about them. So no, nah, to hear did. that, you know, Miles and D Train stayed on that too. They did, and shout out to them. Like I hope that's, they see that's this. tough. I hope they see this. But like I know they follow me, but I hope they see this because I gotta get them their flowers. They really stood through. And they we'll, really we'll tag them. We'll tag them yeah, in here. Definitely. And the we'll flowers are there. Yeah. Make it a clip. Hmm. <laughs> so from there, two weeks later, uh, I had a studio session with this uh, cat named Lil Nunu Beats. Who I don't fuck with at all, and he's a hoe. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> hit it. Hit it, bro. Hold on, hold on. You stupid. That's how you feel about him. That's how you feel about him. But, you feel me? 
for the time period, I'm thankful for what he did at that time. But um, he booked me for my first studio session. Um, ended up going to, over to the homie Darius. Shout out to my dog Darius DeFore. He came to my birthday party. That's my dog. I recorded on the sock mic in the corner of the room. And um, I just had a bunch of poetry, stacks of paper, just written. So, like, I was like, yo, boom. Found whatever the first poem that I could find was. And went on there and just, he played me a beat. Because uh, the dude I just said, he was a hoe, he's a hoe, or whatever. Um, he uh, was just getting into making beats at the time period. So, like, he just was thumbing through beats. And I just looked at the first, any poem that I could just quickly read through, that was like, this sounds like it may fit on the beat. I didn't know shit about, like, pockets and anything like that. I was just like, I just want to make something. So it started there. Um, X, Y, Z amount of months later, once I really started getting the groove of writing and understanding how to make songs and shit like that, um, we started throwing house parties in my city. Mm. Yeah, so that's like that's you guys got shit. banned off Airbnb. Yeah, I'm everything. banned off Airbnb for life. <laughs> Him and his homie <laughs> I like two court cases. I caught like two court cases off of Airbnb, oh, bro. Man. We was throwing wild ass parties. And um, basically from there, we was just like, yo, uh, one of the homies, uh, at the time, his name, uh, he go by Jair. He, uh, we all came together and he was like, yo, bro, we should throw a, um, like start throwing house parties or whatever. And I was like, fuck it, let's try so I was selling clothes out of my closet because I wasn't working nine to five. I was still a college athlete playing ball. So I was like, yo, I'll just sell clothes out of my closet, stack up, trying to save the money to mm-hmm. put towards the parties. And from there, um, we threw our first house party. Everyone was free. I think like we threw it in like Irvine, like 150 people came. Oh, shit. Then I was like, let's throw another one the following week. But this time we're going to make everybody follow us on SoundCloud to get in. Cool. Get like 300 followers on SoundCloud. Like, All right, cool. Solid. From there, we like, all right. It's starting to bubble. Let's really throw a banger. So we partnered up with these with this uh, other cat named Robbie. Shout out to Robbie Best. He's a homie. Partnered up with him. He had some investors, people that he knew. We lock in with them, and we throw our first house party. Uh, and it was crazy. We threw it in Aliso. Um, not gonna say who the owner of the crib is, <laughs> you know. But we threw a banger, and it was crazy. And I think we made like maybe like fifteen grand that night. Ooh. And so the following weekend. We was like, let's throw another one. But the thing was, before we threw that party, the owner was like, we only had 10K to give them up front. The owner was like, yo, I need 15 before the shit start. So I had to convince the owner. Shout out to Mr. Arditi. That was his name. I was like, yo, we're going to get the 15 grand. Like, you feel me? He was on some mob shit. He like an Italian boss type motherfucker. Like, he was on some mob <laughs> so shit. Like, shit. Yeah, like we put up to, he owns a car wash in LA or whatever, bro. And we put up to, I pulled up to his car wash and like, Bro had like these mafia niggas lead me into his office. It's like some boss, boss shit. So bottom line is you don't want to owe him money. I didn't want to owe this nigga money. <laughs> I was like, I don't owe this nigga money at all. So boom, like I had to convince him that we was going to have the money in the first hour. 15 bands in an hour is crazy. You feel me? But I, I had to convince him that we was going to do it. But we ended up doing it. I think we made 15 grand in 30 minutes, actually. Jeez. So boom, did that, but didn't know that the niggas that we first invested with from the first party, mm-hmm. they fucked us. So after the party, they left early, and I was like, why they leave early? Uh-oh. They left with the money. They left with the money. I was oh. like, why? So I'm getting phone calls from people like, yo, bro, we paid $100 this and $100. I was like, bro, it's only $25 to get in. He's like, oh, well, some dude in a Cub jersey telling us that it costs this and that, this, this. I was like, what? So we pull up to, uh, in my city in Mission Viejo, we pull up to Del Taco by my old, by my college I used to go to. 
When we pull up there, I'm with my cousin, my homeboys, all of us, we pull up. I'm thinking we about to settle the money right there in the parking lot. I walk up. I'm like, yo, bro, not to start an issue, but like, you feel me? People is telling me this, this, and that. Like, you stealing money from them. I ain't going to say the nigga name. But um, I'm like, bro, niggas saying you stole money, blah, blah, blah. All of a sudden, I should have known already because I'm already seeing, like, niggas trickle out of cars in a lot before we got there. Mm. I'm seeing niggas trickle out of cars like, nah, these niggas just going to the restaurant. Like, this ain't nothing. Mm. It was that. That's you know we surrounded. Damn. They upped on us. 15 niggas. We in the middle of the circle. 15 niggas surrounded us. Strapped. How many of you are there? Seven. Seven of us. The nigga put the gun to my ribs. <clears throat> he like, if you say one more thing, I'm going to blast your ass. I'm like, I look back at my cousin. I'm still popping shit at this nigga though because I was ready for it. So I'm a hot nigga too. So I was I was ready for it. So I'm popping my shit still. But then I see my cousin. I look back and I see a mm, sad to talk about. But I see a gun behind my cousin's head. So for that reason alone, I was like, fuck the money. Not worth it. Like I'm looking at my cousin like my cousin didn't even see it. Mm. And then my homie, he like fixing his pants. And they thinking he about to reach. Oh, shit. So I knew them niggas was about to blow, but I stopped it. Because I like, no, 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 he neutral. He neutral, like, it's dead. So that was the end of the party shit, clearly. After that, back to ground we zero. We owed money to... Nah, we didn't owe no money. Nah. At that point... Oh, so at that point, you had already paid him off, paid but off, you just didn't get the profit that you guys were yeah, going to no. take him. It, so when I say the dude that was upping on us, it mm-hmm. wasn't the owners of the house. It wasn't the owner. Of the gotcha. House. It was a dude that invested in the first that the first, first big party. house party. It was a group of niggas. It was the first party that we do. It was some niggas, and so boom. So that happened. So obviously we didn't throw no more parties with them niggas. Fell out with them niggas. They some L.A. niggas. Just fell out with them. Leave that shit behind. I'm like, we start from ground zero again. So I'm like, all right, we gonna have to start this shit over again. But the the dope thing about it was. Because at the time we were making music too and throwing house parties, we would mix in the music that we were making to the same BPM or whatever songs were popping at that time. Mm. So like, let's say Drake made like I don't know like One Dance or something. We would make a song that had a similar pocket in mm. BPM beats per minute yeah. of that yeah. song. And so when people would play it at our parties, they, they, they wouldn't be able to tell the difference. Yeah. Mm. So That's smart. that started getting us buzzing because eventually people was like, "This song hard as shit," but I've never heard it. So people started like, oh, wait, them niggas is crazy-ass artists, too, and throwing house parties. Oh, these niggas is lit. Yeah. So through that, we went back after that experience with the shit, with the fallout, with the money. We went back to ground zero and started from scratch. But the good thing was, was that investor, that dude, um, Mr. Arditi, shout out to him forever, the Italian dude. He saw potential in us. He was just like, yo, y'all niggas is lit. Like, it was me and two homies. It was like a group of us, three of us. We used to go by this uh, clique called ATM. Addicted to money, addicted to music. So, like, we became a clique. And, like, from there, he just wanted to invest in us. He's like, bro, y'all, y'all got the, y'all failed something. Y'all niggas made 40 bands. You feel me? I'm looking at the money. Like, y'all niggas is doing this shit for real. And we, like, 19 at the time. <laughs> so, like, boom. So, at that point, we was like, we started rocking out with him. One thing led to another. Uh, Chief Keith got aware of us through uh, his tour manager that we was lit. 
So that's how, like around 2018? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, 2018. Yeah, yeah. Go on tour with Chief Keef. We go to New Mexico, bro. Now, that was crazy because his team was weird. That, that, <laughs> his team was weird. Like, they were lagging. They were lagging on, like, information. It's not his fault. It's not his fault or nothing. Whoever they hired to be an assistant at that time period, I wish I knew his name because I would say it, but. Whoever they hired to be assistant of that tour or whatever, like, he was just non-communicative or whatever. Not on top of it. Not on top of it. And, like, we ended up having to drive, like, 11 hours to get to the show and shit. Ooh. And I had to, we stayed at, like, a Motel 6. It's crazy. Damn. So, thugged that out. Did that show. Cool. From there, got back to the city. Um, we were already locked in with Blueface because Blueface wasn't popping at the time. Blueface was only getting paid, like, $500 a show at that time period. Dang. Uh, we were paying him three grand to perform at our shit. So he fucked with us. Mm. Like, we were, like, really, like, we knew he was going to go. Like, we knew he was going to blow up. So we were, like, paying him the most at that time. As far as I know, he may have been made him, making more on some other shit. But as far as I know, we knew his booking was only $500. And his and, uh, his manager at the time was, uh, damn, his mom just said his name. God damn, I wish he knew his manager's name was. But his manager that he used to be with before WAC 100 was solid as fuck. He was cool as shit. So we was getting all the ins and outs of all his bookings. So we booked him for a Halloween party. I had a video. I'll send it to y'all. I'll show y'all. Yeah, we got to see that. You can put a clip of it or something, but I'll show you. Like, this is when Blueface before Blueface. So, so boom. Did you meet Blueface before you met his girl? Yeah, yeah. And you wrote? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I met him way before that, like okay. years before that. So, boom. Lock in with him. Then I got put on Rolling Loud LA because at the time, um, they were doing slots for Rolling Loud. You used to be able to pay to get on Rolling Loud. People don't know that shit. Mm. Nobody's ever heard this. You used to be able to pay to get on Rolling Loud. To be an opening, mm-hmm. like to open, really, yeah. dang. And what was the price for that? Ten bands. Jeez. Used to be able to pay to Damn. get on the show. So not only are they making money from the people attending, but they're making from some of the smaller artists. But if if you pop like that, ten bands, that's Where's, an investment, the investment? Mm-hmm. right? You used to be able to pay to get on it. Dang. But the thing was with us was we was already on tour with Chief Keep, mm. and he was on the roster, so they started they heard of us at that. So they was like, yo, we'll help give benefit to this, da 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 and support it, but like throw us something. So cool. So we did it. Get on the lineup, do rolling loud LA. At the time period, like I said, the money got stolen from us, you feel me? So I'm I'm penny pinching, you feel me? Trying to figure out situation. Same time, well, right before rolling loud LA, right after the Blueface party, a couple of the homies from high school, bro, that knew I was doing music now, mm-hmm. they hit my line like, yo, bro, you hear about um a new show they gonna do on Netflix? Called Rhythm and Flow. Oh shit! I'm like, oh yeah, nah. yeah, my cousin was on that. I was like, nah, I never heard of it. They're like, you should audition, like, bro, like, I feel like you'll get on it. I was like, all right, fuck it. So I start sending them audition tapes. Boom! I think it was like November something. I find out I'm on the cast from my bet. So I get on that. I got Rolling Loud two weeks later. Wait, time out, time out. I don't mean to cut you off. On the, so, cause I, I actually watched that show and y'all. I was on the first season. Y'all seen it? Uh, Ti. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. My, yeah, my cousin, she was on there. Which one? Uh, her name is fucking Jade. No, she go by a ma, like a Mavi or something like that. I'll show you her Instagram. Yeah, show me her Instagram. Yeah, I'll but, know for sure. So the, I, I, I was on the first probably season. seen your ass. I, was I, was I watched the whole season. I was on the first season. Damn, like Ti, right? Yeah, I watched that. shit fire, bro. Now I'm gonna watch it just because. I was on the first season. I was on the first season. Hold up. So I had Drez, and the crazy part is, so I get on that show, boom, perform at Rolling Loud. Then I open for Travis Scott's after party that he did at, hold on, let me see. 
She's from LA Division? No, she's from St. Louis. Yeah, see? That's why. Yeah. They had different mm. sectors. Yeah, okay, okay. So there's LA Division, Chicago, and such. Okay, okay. And then they, 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 they uh, bring y'all all together. And then together. they bring us all together. Okay, that makes sense, yeah. So, boom. So, um, but I'll get into that. So, basically, um, this, again, I'm telling y'all the full raw shit. Like, the real, real shit. So, boom. Find out I get on the show. I had to send in, like, eight audition tapes to get on the first season, bro. Boom, they's like, we, you start filming in January, so I'm like, cool. Boom, I do Rolling Loud LA. But when I get to Rolling Loud LA, they cut everybody's set because they were behind on time constraints mm -hmm. or something. Oh, damn. So my set gets cut, right? I remember at Coachella, they cut off DJ Khaled for the same shit. Mm -hmm. My <laughs> set got cut. My set got cut. And the crazy thing is, is Tori Lanez is an old artist. Can't remember her name. She hard, though. If I said her name, y'all would know, but I can't remember it right now. She was open before us. So she went on right before us, and as soon as she got off stage, they cut everybody else's set to the later sets. So to make up for that, they moved us to Rolling Loud Miami to go perform in Miami. Oh, dope. Boom. I go to fucking January. I bring my homie Chad. Shout out to Chad Franklin, my dog. I'm still with to this day. He's a cameraman. I bring him. We stay at the W Hotel in LA. I'm still living in Orange County at the time, bro. Commuting back and forth. Boom. All of this ties back to where we're at now. So just follow me. This all ties together. So boom. Do the show. We go film. We stay at the W, w Hotel. They give us a per diem for, per day for food and shit. We go to rehearsals. When we go to rehearsals, bruh, shout out to all my dogs I was on the show with. Every, every nigga will see this and know that I'm not lying about anything I'm saying. They will all attest to it. Like every nigga that I was on the show with, they'll attest to everything I'm saying right now. We go. We start filming, we do audition. I mean, uh, we do uh, rehearsals, mm -hmm. mic checks and shit. Everything goes well. I peeped some shit though at the audition that they did. And shout out to my nigga Tra Trey Haggerty. He's hard as hell. He's a dope ass write, uh, artist writer um, from uh, Texas. He's cold as hell. He was on the show with us. He's from Dallas, Texas though, but he was with us in LA. Mm. I remember at the audition, he'll tell you. I remember at the audition, they told him, say you from California. I remember that shit. And I was like, all right. Like, hmm. that was just a little thing that I peeped, but kind of was just like, for sure. So as the show go on, we go to rehearsals, everything's cool. We go to perform that night. All paid audience. They paid the audience to be there. We show up, when we go to the live audition in front of Cardi B and everything, I start noticing they're selecting people. Mm. It isn't no, we had a rehearsal lineup. It was supposed to go this person, this person, this, this, this. When we get to the show day that was at night, that got delayed like two hours because um, we were, it was a rain. It was mm. like rain and time, like it was raining and shit. So they're trying to make sure the cameras didn't get fucked up. So like they basically delayed our performance till later. Okay. Um, I remember we sat in this warehouse. It was me, D Smoke, who won the show. All of us were sitting in the room. I knew D Smoke was cold when he spit a freestyle. It wasn't a freestyle, but a pre-written. He tough. But he spit on the, on, the, on the spot, and he started rapping in Spanish. And I didn't know he was a Spanish teacher priorly. Oh. Um, and his brother was signed to TDE or whatever, but that's another story. But anyway, he spit um, on the spot, and he spit his whole rap in English, spitting crazy bars, and then flipped it and did it in Spanish. And I was Dang. like, this nigga's cold as shit. <laughs> He's good, bro. He like, smoked that guy. Holy shit. I gotta nice. check him out. 
I was like, this nigga cold. I got to take it out. He the one that ended up winning the show. He ended up winning. Uh, but, um, so, boom. I knew he was cold right then and there. Like, we were sitting in the room, literally like this. Nobody knew who he was yet. Like, you feel me? The show hadn't come out yet. But he did it, like, right here. We were sitting on that table. Literally exactly like this table is set up. All, imagine it, all corners of the room. That's how we were sitting. And everyone went around the whole circle. But I tell people to this day, there was a person in our group that I think personally would outbar. He's from out, actually from out here. His name is, uh, damn, his name Jay. Jay, damn. Shout out to Jay. He lives out here in Arizona. I told niggas after the show, they were like, was D-Smoke the coldest? I say, bro, he's cold as hell in his own way. Nothing to take away from him. But there's this nigga named Jay that lives out here. I think that nigga can outbar Jay Cole. I think I'll put, I'll put my last dollar on that nigga to outbar Jay Cole. What's, what's his full name? His full name is Jay? Jay, Jay something? something, bro. I'm going to look this up. I'm going yeah, to gotta... give it to you. I'm going to find it. Definitely. He's a nigga that I said that bar for bar. He spit some bar, bro, that I was like. <laughs> just pure rapping? Like, just pure rapping? Yeah. Like, not like lyrics. just songs or nothing like that. Like, I'm talking about just lyricism. I'll put my last dollar on him to, like, go bar for bar with J. Cole. He was that cold. Dang. He was that cold. I'm gonna find him now. His name Jay something, but he lives out here. He's from he's from Arizona. He's cold as shit. So boom, we get to the performance. We got the coldest group. It's me, D Smoke, all of us in one group. It's eight of us. They had two different groups, so it's like ten in each group. Mm-hmm. So like there was a group of ten of us over here, a group of ten of us here. Our group was the super cold niggas. Like like I said, D Smoke, all of them was in my group. So we all go. We line up to perform. I see a girl pop up out of nowhere. <laughs> and I'm like, who is this? Oh, she was late. La, 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 la. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. We had rehearsals like hours ago. How the hell is she just coming into the set all of a sudden and performing? Uh, I don't know. Oh, her manager called in. She's good. I'm like, what type of shit is y'all really on for real? Like, this is some fake shit. There's no way she skipped rehearsals and all it is. Nobody's met her, seen her. And she get to the in. front. And going to the front and performing. There's no way. And gets a yes. Mm. Ooh. There's no way. So I'm like, what is really going on? You feel me? This is some definitely television shit. So we perform, or excuse me, niggas start performing. I get into the cockpit, bro, on some damn American Idol shit. I'm sitting in the cockpit, ready to perform. Like, oh shit, I'm about to perform. Like, I'm about to go crazy. Meanwhile, I'm watching them sift through people and move people up. And move people up, and move people up, and then moving people that they knew they were. It almost looked like the people that I knew. I knew they was there were certain people that they were having go up that weren't gonna make it. Mm. It was like I knew that they were trying to make it the yes no for the show. Like I could tell, mm. but I just kept my mouth shut. I get in the cockpit, bro. Get ready to perform. Everybody head back to the bus. I'm like, bro, I'm about to perform right oh, now. No, nah. like, what are you talking about? Everyone head back back to the bus. Okay, fuck it, go back to the bus. Hmm. Is everybody here yet? Yeah, so we regret to let you guys know that we overran our time on the venue, so therefore the we're having to cut time? the sets. I said, what? I was like, so what does that mean? Like, So at first I was like, cool. Like, No worries, we're probably just going to record it tomorrow. You feel me? I'm not thinking nothing of it. No, everyone's cut off the show. So I actually didn't lose. I got cut off the show because of time constraints, bro. <laughs> Sounds like ratings. They just wanted to get the, keep the ratings up. <clears throat> That's how I got cut off the show. 
So I remember going back to the W Hotel, bro, and I cried, bro. I was so mad, bro. I cried. Because not only was time, effort, talent, everything wasted, bro. I'm like, again, again, right when I finally feel like I'm about to get back on my feet again, another disappointment. I'm like, again, bro? It's feeling like the shit I dealt with with football, bro. Like, this is feeling like it all over again. So after that, get my bearings back. Funny thing is, I get a call. My cousin called me. I tell my cousin the shit. He said, I've been waiting for you to call me. He said, I just had a, a lunch. My, my blood cousin, he said, I just had lunch with a friend in LA. And he told me, he's like, we were talking about like, how's your week went? And da, 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 da. he was like, oh, I had a busy week. I was shooting this show on Netflix, but this shit is rigged. Hmm. One of the executive producers. And I said, what did he tell you? Like, what did, what did he, he's like, Oh, no, oh, the executive producer told your cousin that. No, no, no. Like, he was like a, he's not even exec. He was more like a camera man. Oh, like, I got you. Set. Okay, okay. He was like one of the camera dudes on set type. Okay. I don't know what the word is, is for that. Maybe for like rhythm an assistant. Flow or a camera. Show. This is for rhythm and flow. Oh. Like, maybe like a camera assistant or something like that. But he has lunch with my cousin like a couple of days after the filming. And he's just like, yo, I've been waiting for you to like, you feel me, to hit me back. Because he had been texting me like, call mm. me, call me, call me, like. I know some shit, like, of what's going on for real. Because I t- I was upset, you feel me? So I hit him. So he hits me. He's just like, yeah, I went to lunch with this cat, like a cool dude or whatever. And we were just chopping it up. We hadn't seen each other in a minute or whatever. He's cool. He's like, yeah, bro. Um, he said he was busy all week on this set shooting for this TV show called Rhythm, um, on Netflix. And he was talking about how rigged this shit is already and how they know who's going to win already. And he was like, word, my cousin was in... Uh, uh, out here in LA or whatever, shooting for a TV show. It's called Rhythm and Flow. He's like, that's the, the show, show I'm talking about. Oh my god! He was like, they already showed us the script of who's gonna win. <sighs> and I was like, what? So it all makes sense. And then I did my research, nigga. <laughs> I did my research, and this don't even take away from no artist, nothing. Like, bro, it's all respect, no hater, no nothing, bro. Like that nigga hardest shit. I fuck with gang. Like, I fuck with bro. He hard as fuck. He deserved to win. But when I tell you I did my research and then saw X amount of months before we even started filming that a close friend of his uh, who was on the uh, Tyler Perry show, uh, I think it was, is it the movie, uh, what's the movie where the woman's getting abused by her husband who's in a wheelchair? What's that? A Diary of a Mad Black Woman. Oh, yeah. okay. She's a woman that's in that film. I can't remember her name. But she posted Gang on his birthday, and T.I. said he's up next four months before we started filming the fucking TV show. Damn. That's when I knew this shit was bullshit. Already selected. Pre-selected. <laughs> Sounds about right. Man. Honestly, none of that shit surprised me. Yeah. Everything is so fucking fake in that industry, bro. Shit's- like during the Super Bowl, I-, I kept hearing people say, so let's see how they wrote the script. Let's see what, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Man, for the game to end like that? I was like, bet. This is just publicity, pretty much. But niggas earned it though. Niggas is hard. But I'm just telling it from my experience. Yeah. You feel me? Everybody else's experience could be different. Mm. But I'm just telling you, like, the facts is facts. You feel me? I'm just telling you what I experienced. So from there, I was like, cool. So then, boom, a couple months go by. I'm like, well, I still got Rolling Loud Miami to go fuck with. So I go do Rolling Loud Miami 2019. After that, it was like a dead period, bro, for like six, seven months where I wasn't So doing did you shit. actually finally get to perform? Mm-hmm. My- okay, I good. performed. 
thought they were gonna. I perform. <laughs> nah, I performed, but it was still kind of hoish because I only got two, three songs off, and they had just barely opened the gate to the festival. So niggas uh. were still flooding to sections while I was mm. literally on stage. What songs did you end up performing? I did this song with the whole ass nigga I was talking about, who used to be my producer, who I brought out with me. Um, we did a song called uh, I never released the song either. It's called I Don't Know. It's hard as hell though. At the time, it was dope as fuck. I did that one. And like two other songs on like okay. on my SoundCloud or something, bro. Okay. And <clears throat> did that, leave, and I'm like, it was a dead period after that for like six, seven months where I wasn't doing anything. Like I wasn't doing shit. Like I was in the studio working hard, but like was just like, yo, like what is going on? And that's when I came up with the idea to just be like, bro, unapologetically me is what came out of that. Mm. I had made a project before unapologetically me that I still haven't released that's cold as shit called TTP. Called trust, trust, for the trust, trust the process. I made a project, so unapologetically me was the second project I made after I made a whole album that entire summer called TTP. Cause I was dealing with so much bullshit, I was just like trust the process. I got a shit tattooed on my wrist for real. So when do you think you're gonna release trust that? Trust the process. Oh yeah. I got a tattoo on my wrist for real, and then it has a greater than symbol. Like fuck the results, just trust the process. You feel me? So I see you with the G Shock on. Yeah, shout out to my brother. But there's a story yeah, there. I had to yeah, witness that there. moment. Yeah. yeah. That was shout dope. My dog rank for real. Rank a real one. Now, I'm was, get, this is where I start incorporating game. Yeah. I'm getting into the songwriting story and now I'm still <laughs> So that during that six, seven months, I was in a low period where I was like, shit. I'm stuck. Like, I'ma just work on music and just whatever. So I just made a project called TTP. Make that project. Shit was cool. I fucked with it. But I was just like, nah, it's not niggas ain't ready for this. I'm telling too much shit on this. I'm telling the niggas way too much. I'm telling niggas everything I just told y'all pretty much on that project, damn, damn near, without even like having to say it. So I'm like, I'm gonna make another project. I'm gonna just call it Unapologetic Me. Like, fuck everybody. I'm gonna mm -hmm. just speak my piece. So that's when I made that project. From there, there was a song I made on that project called PTSD. It's still unreleased. I made that song. Shout out to A1. He go by Spring Break. A1 Bentley. My manager be rocking around with him. He was at the French shit the other day. Oh, yeah, yeah. He a dope-ass songwriter. He done wrote for everybody. Chris Brown, everybody. He just actually won a Grammy this year. Oh, damn. For, um, he co-wrote and co-produced that future Drake song, Wait On You. Oh, yeah. So he called his shit. He had heard that song that I made through my manager. My manager, I had posted a snippet of it on my story. Remember, I used to do yeah. trailer videos. I had posted a snippet of it. My manager hit me and was like, yo, you got to send me this shit. This shit's a hit. I sent it to him, and he's at the studio chilling with A1. And he plays him the record. And when he plays him the record, um, A1 is like, who is this nigga? This is a hit. Like, this nigga, this is a hit. Like, this is a hit record. Like, bro made a hit. Put me on FaceTime with him. I want the song. So we get on hot FaceTime. We chop it up. Blah, blah, blah. He's like, bro, I fuck with that shit. Like, send it. Like, you feel me? Let me hold it. So I like, bet. I sent it off. Through the grapevine here that Post Malone and Tyler Yahweh got a hold of it. Then... Sent it to Chris Brown. Chris fucked with it, but they never did really anything with it, so it just sat. But that's when I was first like, to my manager, like, you ever thought about like doing songwriting, bro, outside of just your artistry? Like, bro, you be saying some shit. So I was like, no, I don't. And he's, I was like, no, I, when I say no, I don't, I mean like, no, I've not thought about being a songwriter. I don't see the point of me. At this, at this time, I was already studying Russ like biblically. Like, mm. I was studying Russ's mindset. Like, that was my Bible. Like, you feel me? So studying how he moved, I was like, nah, it makes no sense for me to make a hit record. I could put out myself for another nigga. Doesn't. Because he worked on himself yeah, by himself exactly. for like nine years exactly. to pop. 
And that's crazy because most people don't do that. Before he come, came out to AZ, you mm-hmm. had a chance to meet with him. And everything. I just met him two weeks ago. Oh, really? No, last week. The fuck? Yeah, last, last week. Before you came Russ out? last week. How was that? How did that go? Oh, I'm going to get there. <laughs> I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. So, boom, I'm just giving you the long. Y'all, y'all want the details? I'm going to give you the long story. So, boom. So, my manager, like, you should, what you think about Sarn? I'm like, I don't believe in that shit. I'm not working my ass off in the studio for hours to just let a nigga come karaoke me. Mm. Don't make no sense. And make millions off of it? Nah, I'm not into it. So then after talking to my family, they're like, nah, it's an opportunity and a way for you to, to get, get into the room. Because once you get into the room, it's going to make way more sense for me to be like, yo, Drake, uh, I got a song for you that could change your life versus me being like, you've never heard of me and never heard anything I've ever done. But yeah, just hop on my song, bro, and just trust Mm. Nigga gonna look at you like, bro, where's your I don't know you. Proof? Yeah. I don't know nothing of you. I ain't seen you do shit. It's more beneficial for me to hop on your shit than it is. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. So I yeah. looked at it like that and I was like, fuck it. So from there, that's where Kashawn ass coming at. This is where Kashawn Rock coming at. So from there, me and my ex was broken up at a time period for like six months. She wanted to get back together and we were talking about it. And so my ex one day is like, yo, babe, pull up. Like, let's talk about our issues, whatever. Let's try and work this out. Because me and my ex were together since 2018, June 25th. So we were on and off for like five years. So literally, like, we had taken a break for six months. I pull up on her. When I pull up on her to her crib, she's telling me about a girl named Krishan I've never heard of. She's like, yeah, she's this girl that I met. She's from Baltimore. Um... She has a dope personality. I feel like if she gets on TV, she's going to be a superstar. That's what my ex tells me. So she's like, this is what we're trying to do. Blueface just posted some new TV show he's going to do. And we're going to shoot her uh, um, uh, audition tape mm-hmm. audition tape to get her on the show. Right. I feel like if she gets on that show, she's going to take it over. Like, this is what my ex is telling me. My ex she is telling did, me this She shit. did that, too. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. No, like, she did it for real. Manifested, for sure. So shout out to her. Her name is Janet. Janet Mendez. I always love her to death. She has my name tattered on her. I always love her, but I'm going to just tell her how it is. But anyway, so uh, she tells me, like, yo, let me get, we're going to get on the show. So at that point, I'm like, okay. She's like, I can't wait to introduce you to her. Now, when I hear the name Krishan, I'm thinking it's a guy. Like, I didn't, I didn't know it was a girl. I thought it was a guy. But she's like, yeah, she's going to come by soon. Da, da, da. I didn't know where I live at, where her apartment was at. Like where my ex's apartment was at, Krishan was two doors down. She was like literally on the same hallway, two doors down. Oh, so that's how they met then, just being neighbors. Mm-hmm, being neighbors. Mm. She was literally our neighbor. Because when I ended up moving out to LA, which I'm about to get into, um, of course, she ended up being a neighbor and I'm seeing her every day now. So basically, boom. So I said, okay, for sure. She knew I was doing music, working hard at it, la la la. So I started working, doing my shit. I'm working a nine to five at the at the time. So I'm commuting to go see my ex. I'm in Orange County, driving to LA. I'm working from seven AM in a warehouse. I worked in a warehouse doing um, you know, like where they stack shelves and shipping and shit like yep. that. And then you gotta put the packages on a on a pallet and then wrap it and then put it on a UPS truck. I was doing that shit. Okay. So I was driving at from the same time being up all night at the, the studio same time being in the studio till oh, five in the morning every day. Damn. And then sleep I would have my ex drive my car. 30 minutes back to the apartment. That was about like, yeah, 20, 30 minutes away. I would sleep in the passenger seat while my girl dro- drove my car back to the crib 
and then I would instantly change clothes once I got to the crib and then drive back to Orange County to mm. be work be at work by seven o'clock in the morning. I did that shit for like two months. So every day. Seven days a week. So basically I was working from seven AM, get off at three thirty, drive double traffic, get to LA about five o'clock PM, take a shower, eat if I even had the time to do that, and then go to the studio with Krishan all day. Cause she wasn't an artist, she didn't know anything about music, so I had to really develop her like all the way through, like teach her what uh, beats and all of those things. So boom, shit starts popping off with her. I'm not asking her for shit, no money, no nothing. I'm just doing it off of love. Going to the studio, whatever. Shit starts cracking off a little bit. She's getting a little buzz from Blueface. She's fucking with Blueface on the low, but fucking, he's capping like he wasn't. But he was already. But it's nothing against him. You feel me? It is what it is. But it wasn't known to the public at the time that they were already fucking with each other at that time period. Because it's 2020. So, meanwhile, while they, oh, I don't fuck with my artists. I don't do anything like that or whatever. You're, she's coming over to the crew every day with another story every day. So, I'm just, like, seeing it live. Like, okay. Yeah, like, y'all, got y'all got a thing going on. Y'all got a thing going on. This is funny, bro. Y'all got a thing going on. So... At that time period or whatever, I'm like, all right, for sure. So from there, um, we're getting in the studio. We're working on music. There's one of the homies that was writing for her at first, but he's from Baltimore too, and they would fuss. They would argue. They wouldn't get along. Like If he would like try and tell her to do something and she wouldn't do it, then she they would hard-headed. fuss. They both hard-headed. Like Baltimore motherfuckers like <laughs> she- different. Baltimore motherfuckers is different. They, they, got, that, they got that dog in them. So they so they would bicker. So after so much of that, it was just to a point where it's like, nah, like this ain't gonna flow. So that's where I came in at. So we worked together. We made a couple other songs before Vibe. And how Vibe happened was uh, we were chilling at the crib one day, and she was like, yo, Blueface booked me a studio session uh, at this nigga named Bankroll Goddard Studio, who's Mulatto's main at the time. I don't know if he still is, but at the time he had made all of Mulatto's, uh, who goes by Lotto now biggest records production wise mm. really dope produ- producer <clears throat> so she was like yeah uh Blueface booked me a session over here da, da, da. but uh, you know i need help type shit i'm like bet i'll pull up so we go to the studio late we kick it i post a video that day on my tiktok we're chilling they're playing her beats she don't know how to pick beats. Like she don't. She's not listening for shit. You feel mm. me? She's just like having fun, turned up, drinking. At the time period, there was none of the tattoos mm. on her neck, none of that. The only she was already on the Blueface show. She's getting buzzing and shit. The platform is starting to like go mm-hmm. a little bit. The only tattoo she had on she was really skinny back then. She was like really really skinny at that time. Um, the only tattoo she had of anything of the you know involvement of Blue was on her ankle. She had the Benjamin Franklin with horns on it on her ankle on her. I think it's her left, her left or right ankle. That was it. She didn't have none of the neck, blue face ties, none of that. So, boom. We're sitting in the studio. They're thumbing through beats. She don't know how to pick beats, so she just look at me like, bro, pick the beat. Like, I don't know what beat to use. So, as time went, I think we list, I listened to, like, maybe, like, 10, 15 other beats. And that's when I picked the beat. I picked the beat for vibe. I picked the shit. So, I was like, that's the beat. So picked I picked, the, the, he picked, I picked the, beat, the beat too. The lyrics, I picked the beat everything. too. I picked the beat too. <laughs> Nobody knows that either, but I did. This is the first time I actually ever even said this. But yeah, I picked the beat too. So I picked the beat. We're sitting in the room, and she just turned up off the henny. She's lit. 
She just let off Henny. That was it. She's turned up. So she just she just yelling out loud, just whatever come to her mind as they're playing the beat. And she says some shit like, uh, she has said, um, I think she said like, ah, I think she said something like, I'm the vibe or something. She's like, I'm a vibe or something like that. She said something like that. And meanwhile, I'm like, she don't know nothing about writing or song structure. So I'm like, I need you to keep talking because I'm getting an idea. Like, I'm going to just let her keep talking. Because when, when she said it, I was like. So you were writing that shit live. I was like, hold up. Yeah. Let me get the, let me write this down real like, quick. I'm a vibe. Okay. I was like, it needs to be bigger than that, though. But that could work. And then we just look. And I'm just like, what if it's, it's a vibe? She was like, I'm a vibe. She's like, I'm a she didn't even say it all the time. She was like, I'm a vibe, I'm a vibe. She just kept saying that. And I was like, what if it's it's a vibe? And I can't remember how the all the time came into it. I just remember like, I think it just fit. It yeah. Like, like it, it's a vibe all the time. It just fit. So at that point, I was like, let's just try it. Go in the booth. She's like, I don't know how to do it. I was like, just say this a hundred <laughs> fucking times, we'll chop it. She goes in the booth, and she just lit already. Bro, when the beat dropped and I heard her ass yell that shit, I said, oh, shit. This record is about to fucking go. Like, It's a vibe. Soon as I heard, because it sounded like an anthem, bro. So when I heard that shit, I was like, oh, this is over with. So I fucking go. She's like, now what? Now the engineer, I'm telling them it need a, it need a, um, like change of mm. like in between pockets because she can't just say this shit for two minutes straight. You right. know what I'm saying? Like it needs to change and have a build up to it. So it's like, so I start adding adding in between lines. It's no surprise. Can't look me in my eyes. They want to see me fall because you know I'm on the rise. Damn. So I get into that. Like some straight out of Compton type shit, yeah. bro. That's so I get into that. Movie. So I start writing it. She's like, all right, now what? I was like, the verses. Duh. <laughs> so I'm like, <clears throat> So she's like, okay, well, like, how am I supposed to do it? So she I'm like, okay. Handed to her on a so I'm like, she's like, how am I supposed to do it? She's like, how am I supposed to do it? So she's like, how am I supposed to do it? So I'm like, okay, so I typed them. If I had my phone with you, I'll show you the exact text message I sent her that day. I have the text. Damn. But, bro, I got my phone, but I would show you it, maybe off camera or whatever. But boom, so I'm like, yo. So originally, I sent her the lyrics. I get the whole shit done. I sent her the lyrics at first. But then I realized, I'm like, wait. You're not gonna know how I'm rapping it. You feel me? Again, I wasn't a songwriter at that time period, so I'm like, I'm learning too. So I'm just like, yo, like, I was a songwriter inaugurated by my own music, but not mm. for another person. You feel right, me? From another right. person's perspective. So boom, I sit there and I'm like, okay, I just sent her the whole song, but she's not gonna know how I'm rhyming it in my head. I'm gonna have to go in the booth with her and coach her through this whole shit. So what I did was I texted her the lyrics, and I was just like, yo. We're going to sit here in the booth. She was in the front of the mic like this, and I was standing behind it like this. And I was like, I'm going to literally coach you through this whole fucking song, front to back. Damn. She got the beat picked by you. She got the lyrics, the in-between. the whole shit, bro. And then the coaching. I did the whole shit. Maybe we need to work now. <laughs> <laughs> he said, do the same shit for me. I did the whole shit. I did the whole shit. So, mm. after that, we get through the whole song. I'm listening to this shit like, oh, this shit sounding hard. And then she's like, I want to do one more thing. I'm like, what? The song done. Like, don't need nothing. 
there's this poem I did from like she was like elementary school or something. <laughs> I was like, a poem? What are you talking she about? She's like, there's a poem. Up. She's like, there's a poem that I wrote that we used to say in, in Baltimore. Tell me she like, took what? out a piece of paper, opened it up. I was like, what? She's like, pink is a color, blue is a <laughs> I was like, fuck it, go do it. I was like, it's your song, fuck it. I was like, it's your song, fuck it, go do it. So she goes in the booth, she's like, pink is a color, but it's another. I'm a Baltimore lover, bad motherfucker. Oh, I don't take God. no shit from bald head bitches like you. And I was like, That's fuck hilarious. it, it's hard. Let's do it, just run with it. It's your song, I don't care. You feel me? At that point, I was like, do whatever you want. Like, I don't care. And I just told the engineer, put the hook after that, it's over. <laughs> just put the hook after that. So to see it go... Was like, damn, like it just hit the fucking YouTube top 100 videos for the year. I was like, nigga, like, and I'm in the music video. Mm. I'm in the music video too. But anyway. So, Viv, we gotta wrap up in like five minutes. Oh, where? But I wanna hear like how, uh, before you wrap up, like the aftermath after you recorded the track. Mm -hmm. So, after that, bro, it was just like, I don't know, like just she put it out. It was her first song, you feel me, for that time period. So, I was just like, yo, like, Damn, this shit is dope type shit. And to see it go and do what it was. And then that segued into me working with Koi Ray Because Koi saw that she was, you know, buzzing at the time. So Definitely. was uh, before Koi. Yeah, Krishan was before. Mm-hmm. No More Parties and, 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 and uh, Vibe, we made that shit in, within the same month. That was okay. like three okay. weeks between each other. So, like, I locked in with Koi, like, maybe three weeks after that. And so I started, that's how I worked with Koi or whatever. And we did a couple records. We have a couple other records before that. But I don't fuck with her at all. And we, every, t- she knows what it is. We don't, we don't rock out at all. Like, mm. we don't, me and her don't like each other at all. Like, anytime she sees me in public, she doesn't look me in my eyes. She walks away. Like, Ducks, we had yeah, a really bad fallout. But it's no, no, no issue. It is what it is. But at the end of the day, just the business was weird and it just didn't go the right way. Is that what it, like, it was business or what you think it was oh, like it was personality? Layer, it was layers to it. it layers? Layers to it. Those layers to it, but you feel me? Everybody's thing is different. I'm trying to speed it up because you feel me? You said yeah. Five minutes, but long story I hate shit. to put you on because I feel like we talk <laughs> that's, that's the juicy that. stuff. Yeah, like, that's nah. real juicy. <laughs> we might have to do it. We, we didn't got to the good shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, nah, part two is definitely much needed for sure. But um, but yeah, you feel me? That's where it kind of segues into the Koi shit and whatever like that. And and then she was fucking with Blueface on the low, and then she didn't want Koi was too. Yeah, she started Jeez. fucking with Blueface for like a week, and we were over there seeing her fucking with Blueface, and then she asked us, you know, what's going on. But she didn't want us, me and my ex at the time, being with her, and for bro to come over and see us and be like, what the fuck did he tell y'all? What did they tell y'all about what I've been doing with old girl? Oh, she didn't man. want that confrontation. I so got to. To, to avoid that, we just started not going over there no more. She was being real coy about yeah, it. Yeah, like being very, yeah, real coy very like <laughs> in between about it. Funny. Trying to keep it yell. Stupid. <laughs> He's stupid. So that's where it segued into that. But it's no love, no harm, no foul. I got nothing but love for everybody. You feel me? It is what it is. But at the end of the day, yeah, that's where it segued into that. And then from there, that's when I got hit up from my label. That I now I'm signed to. Hell shout yeah. And shout out to APG. Yeah, um, buddy. And from there, I went in for trial sessions for like six, seven months. Had a meeting with my now CEO, Mike Karen. Told him that out of all this football story and all that, I told him, he's like, what's your goal? I said, I'll never feel fulfilled in music until I perform at the Super Bowl. He's like, why? So I told him the whole football story. And he shared a story that I originally posted when I signed my deal. That now I know I can't say because yeah. I was asked to take it down when I said it. But long story short, I'll tell you like the brief of it. The brief of it is basically he was just like, you know what Ed Sheeran told me before I signed up? And he was just like, one day I'm going to be bigger than XYZ artist that I can't say. And he said, fast forward now, I feel like XYZ amount of years later. And Mike, don't kill me for saying this. Um, 
I'm big. Uh, we did that. We accomplished that. So Ooh, yeah, with that yeah, being yeah, said, yeah. let's get you to the Super Bowl. And I shook his hand, and that's why I signed to my label. That is the only reason why I signed ABG. Dang. That is the only reason why I signed ABG. The crazy thing is I Seen feel like I don't know him personally, but I have a lot of mutual friends with him. But I feel like your story in terms of football and music is very similar to Kalen Farrell Farrell, who's also uh, mm-hmm. out in L.A. too. Uh, so did y'all ever, have you ever linked up with him and y'all talk about like your guys' personal stories and shit? Kalen, me and Kalen's relationship, I have his phone number. Um, last time I talked to Kalen was probably like two months ago. I know him through my manager. Um, as far as communicating about anything personal, hell, not just no. straight business, for real. Honestly. I got you. I haven't talked. I just, to I, him I was only asking just because he did the football shit too. Yeah, no. Music. Yeah, like, and, and it was crazy too because when I transitioned from high school, which I didn't even bring up, was I almost went to Long Beach Poly High School when mm-hmm. I before when I left Mission. I almost went to Poly. I was sitting over there, and my dog at the time, or my, she's still my dog, but um, his dad at the time was the head coach of the mm. football team at Long Beach Poly, Anthony Pierce. He's a middle linebacker for the New York Giants. They won the Super Bowl in 2007. That was my best childhood friend. We grew up playing together on the Cowboys and Michigan and everything and shit like that. So, like, his dad became the head coach at Poly after he retired from the NFL. So, once he became the head coach there, they were like, yo, nigga, come over here. You're going to be set. Yeah. So, I lived, and he, we lived in – his dad had a crib in Palace Verde. He's now one of the – he's a linebacker coach now for the uh, Raiders. But I lived with them for, like, seven months. But my mom couldn't take the commute. Like, my mom wanted to yeah. be there for my senior year. Honestly, prom. that's real. That would take you in. So that's the only reason why I didn't go to Long Beach Poly. I was going to go to Long Beach Poly. Obviously. Dang. So – I was just going to say, looking forward, before we wrap up, I know you have, like, a song that you did because I saw that you're real close friends with uh, Vin Diesel. So you yeah, got on Attack for Fast brother. and Furious. That's my brother. So that's maybe probably how we should wrap this whole combo. Because that... Yeah, because I want to see what projects can yeah. people expect from you. Drop all that yeah. shit. What dates for them to follow. So I got... God blessed me. I met Vin Diesel. I'm going to tell it as fast as I can. Just so time. I met Vin Diesel in 2021, December. Lock in with him. Get around him. He's a dope person. Great energy. Again, we have paperwork, so I'm not going to go into the details. But... That's my dog. He's solid as hell. Get a really great relationship with him. So by the time my label came into the picture, um, it was like seamless because it was literally like by the time my label, who is in my label, is the one that does the soundtracks for Fast and Furious. Mm. It's like my label's responsibility is to come up with the soundtrack for Fast and Furious. So by the time I got brought in to do the records for my label, it was like, bro, me and Vin Diesel are like this already. So now I'm at a point really like, I sense. know what the fuck he's looking for for this soundtrack. Mm. He already told me what records he wanted. Shout and out to him, man. Yeah. Bro, I love Vin. And like, there was one conversation we had, bro, that really got me deep into wanting to kill I- this fast track, which was when we were chilling at, me and Vin had a really personal conversation. And he calls, um, I'm not going to get into details of it, but he calls uh, Paul Walker Pablo. That's like his brother for real. Mm. And one day we were speaking about a story and when I tell you it was clear skies and when he started speaking on it it started hailing out of nowhere like damn, rain damn. out of nowhere it started it was completely clear in the sky and when he started speaking it started raining That's I was like me and him looked at each other like oh Paul's listening like he's listening R.I.P. man and that was a real personal moment I had with him among amongst a bunch of others but fast forward of course from there 
I got the first record with Shout Out to Snot. I got a record on the first drift tape that they dropped on um, on uh, Fast and Furious or whatever. And I got another one that's about to come out that I cannot say who, but this. Hey, we're going to be in tune, going. though. <laughs> I play it for y'all for cameras, but I got another one of this. I'm, you showed us mad love, man. Us, what does it take? We appreciate yeah. you, brother. And yeah. Definitely. Frank and Larry, man, y'all some real ones. Uh, Definitely. I felt like it was just nothing but genuine vibes since the moment y'all touched down in AZ. And uh, we really appreciate y'all coming through and showing mad love. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, you know, we're able to come out to L.A. and link up again. But uh, it's yeah, a dope ass episode, man. I feel like we yeah, could go on like forever, bro. Forever. Nah, <laughs> drop all your drop all your shit, man. Like on your platform, yeah, and definitely want to put that out there. Instagram is gonna sound long as hell, but it's really not. It's Young Visionary Y X N G V I Z I O N A R Y. Young Visionary. We so, gonna tag it too. On tag it, yeah. We'll tag it on the post. Right. So Young Visionary, every platform. Instagram, TikTok's the two main that I really use or whatever. Um, but my DMs are open. TikTok questions, whatever. I'm open to conversate with anybody. I feel like I want to be a person, an individual that um, can help a lot of people that's still trying to get their bearings and shit, just like I am. I'm not shit yet, for real, to be honest. I haven't done shit yet. Like I'm just getting nah, on the tip of the iceberg. No, you've done, you done a lot, but for your vision, nah, for real. your vision is a lot bigger than people yeah. can see. I really don't feel like I've done shit yet. Like Until I can buy my family out of their jobs and they never have to work again and all Amen. my dogs around me never have to work again or this, that, and whatever, even me, you feel me, to where I can chill and not even have to be on the mic no more. I can just tell people what I want. I haven't mm. done shit yet. So, And again, I still haven't done shit until I do the Super Bowl. So at the end of the day, like, <laughs> nigga, the, the, huh? it's going to be a never-ending journey. Got, oh, hold on. He got a piss, but hold on. I got this. <laughs> hey, real, real, real quick, before we, before we wrap this thing up, man, uh, who would you think would be a good uh, candidate to bring on the next uh, episode? Vin. Uh, <clears throat> he said Vin. He said Vin. <laughs> if that nigga's in Arizona, so I'll tap in with him. Definitely my dog right here, though. I ain't going to hold you, bro. Rank story crazy, for real. This nigga right yeah, here is solid as hell. Larry from, uh, got his own story. Like, everybody, um, what, but as far as my, like, my labor or just a personal yeah, person? Anyone. anyone. Who would I? Hmm. That's reachable. Oh, like, mm, mm, between outside of my dog rank here and obviously the bros, shit. Mm, to come here to AZ, like here in AZ, yeah, I'll probably, I want that nigga Jay to come on here and talk about that Netflix shit. Oh. Honestly. That nigga, once one. I, I'm going to figure out, I can't remember his Instagram, bro. Fuck. I'm going to find it up. But Jay, he's actually out here in Arizona. So, bro, for sure, yeah, he hard, bro. That nigga's cold as hell. Like, bro is really, really talented. So, definitely him. That's sure. a bit. That's a bit. From a music standpoint, yeah. But from athletes and shit like that, I mean, just depending on who you want, really. We'll tap in after. Yeah, we're going to tap in. Hey. That's a, that's a wrap, man. We enjoyed having you, Appreciate man. You. We enjoyed having you and kicking with y'all early. Um, and uh, it's all love. We're going to have to do this again. We're going to bring you on and we're going to get it again. Shit, I'll be y'all shit if y'all want to. Bring on. Yeah. Hey, we definitely. <laughs> hey. hey. I'll get her ass. I'll call we'll, my ex. We'll like, have hey, Henny on dick for her, too. So that's a bit, man. We out. All right, y'all.